Welcome to The Deal with Yield, your podcast series covering the issues that matter most in crop production. I'm John Zook, agronomist for Winfield United. And I'm Joel Whipperforth, digital transformations lead for Winfield United. So Joel, there's a lot of new tech trends on the horizon and we talk about a lot of them, but really what are some key terms, maybe some trends that we're seeing emerging in the agricultural space? Yes, John, I have a really interesting job, or at least I find it interesting. My role as an agronomist is bring tech to ag, but then also bring ag to tech. So I find myself visiting San Francisco quite a bit, being out in Silicon Valley, and you know all the major cloud providers, working with them in some way to talk about AWS, Azure through Microsoft, and then Google Cloud. And there's some emerging trends that look like we're able to get more data computed, but not bringing that data all the way to the cloud. You know, the trend in the last five to 10 years is the data was so big and just sitting, you know, on your computer that the goal was to bring your data to the algorithm and the algorithm was in the cloud. Well, now there's a little bit of a reverse trend in there that's going out backwards where we're bringing the data center or the cloud back more remotely or back locally. And this thing is something we talk about as edge computing or fog computing, which is computing at the edge of the cloud. So a lot of times we're still trying to grasp, hey, how do we get information to the cloud? But now we got this ability to now work on the edges of that cloud where we don't have to fully upload all of our information to get the work done. We can just give it whatever it needs and get that put back to us in a more efficient manner. Yeah. And, you know, anybody who follows tech, you know, obviously Moore's Law, where the, you know, computing power tends to double every so many months. You know, one of the things inside of there is computer chips continually get better and they get faster. As they get faster, some of the things that that enables is the real-time decision insights. And one of the companies that I found fascinating in the tech space for ag is John Deere's acquisition of Blue River. And Blue River at three miles an hour is able to take an image or a photograph of a particular weed or plant, and then within a fraction of a millisecond is able to turn that back around and action a solenoid or a pulse width modulation solenoid, and then actually spray that plant. And you think about how fast you're moving, how many feet per second you're moving at three miles an hour. Think about how fast that computer chip will have to be when we're moving at 15 miles an hour and that sort of technology comes into play. So chip processing power, processing speed, and then the cost of storing that data are all things that are continually churning and bringing this convergence of tech into agriculture. So your sprayer might be fog computing and that's okay as long as it's not throwing fog out the nozzles to spray on that weed. Yeah, in which case you should use a spray deposition aid like OnTarget or something like Drift Control, like Interlock, Masterlock family provides. So some fog computing is good, some fog on your sprayer is bad. Got it. So, John, what sort of technology out there or what sort of apps out there can growers use to increase productivity utilizing technology? So the first thing that comes to mind is, and this might not be immediately egg tech or technology, but it's kind of still cutting edge, and that's importing a tissue sample into a model to help you decipher what it does. Like, say, two or three years ago, Joel, I would take a tissue sample and it would go, hey, then my best, highest-yielding farm grower would say, I have that tissue sample is showing red on everything. 
why the heck is it showing red? Well, now if I import that tissue sample into a model in season, field forecasting tool will do that. I can upload that into field forecasting tool. And all of a sudden, hey, everything might be red, but now I can focus in on, hey, that's the highest yielding spot in the farm. And here's how long I've been deficient in nitrogen. Here's maybe why I'm deficient. And is potassium going to show me something different if I start to manage that? So is there a relationship between N to K and S? And then you can calibrate that on maybe make an application, put some scenarios in that, and then do an in-season application that way. The other thing potentially that we could use is, we always talk about in-season images, but what about drones? Can we import drones as, as maybe a quick way to scout? Maybe it's a way that uh, jokingly, hey, we got some snow melting off the fields right now. Maybe we could write a variable rate starter prescription based on if that snow drift was 10 feet deep versus two feet deep, because that's going to affect the soil temperature, right? I mean, what are some things that we can use some of the other sources of technology that we may not have fully incorporated into agriculture anymore? Yet? You know, last summer we did a prototype with a company called American Robotics, and they take a, a container about the size of a deep chest freezer, and they actually put the drone inside of there, and then that drone autonomously would operate to basically launch and go out and do any discoveries like that. And so I, I thought that was a really interesting place. You know, the cost of the drone operation right now still is probably hindered by the cost of the person standing there watching it. But as the FAA regulations, which we encourage people take a look at before they fly a drone, but as those regulations come down and flight beyond the line of sight becomes a legal opportunity, there's companies like American Robotics that are out there that you know could autonomously go out and scout an area like that without you ever actually showing up to the field. So I think there's some interesting things out there on the tech horizon that will allow us to help make those decisions without having to actually drive to the field and spend all the time to get out and launch those things. So one of the things that we arrive to on some of the drone issues is a lot of times, they, hey, if you got a drone that's got a camera, hey, it takes a pretty picture, great. If you want a picture or a video, then the other thing is, hey, you said the time that it takes a person to drive out there is limiting. Well, what about the time that it takes to go back and look if your pictures are good enough to make a decision off of? So all these things come and kind of wrap into that conversation of how do we use that to make a quick app-like decision where you can just press your thumb and do something. Yeah, so there's two pieces that are emerging in there, and uh, one of them is edge computing, which is just computing at the edge of the cloud. And, you know, when you look at a drone file in particular, John, one of the problems with those are is oftentimes if you fly for 25 minutes and you're taking a picture every three seconds, you generate more picture files than what you can fit on a two-meg thumb drive. And so, you know, imagine sitting at the edge of the cloud trying to get 65 megs on a 3G, maybe 4G connection, LTE connection. You know, it's going to be four days before that file actually goes up there if it gets up there at all and doesn't just time out. So I think one of the things that's happening is edge computing. Computers are getting small enough that we can place them at the edge of the cloud to compress files and reduce the amount of bandwidth required to get them in there. The other thing is, and, and you start Whoa, 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 wait here. <laughs> You just said edge computing, like on the cloud. I'm still thinking about, hey, we got this cloud, the cloud, right? Where does the cloud come from? And I think a lot of growers out there would probably say, hey, yeah, the cloud. Now, all of a sudden, we got a term that's on the edge of the cloud, right? So we can make these computers operate with, hey, not using everything that's in the cloud, but probably just little fragments and bits and pieces. So we're way more efficient than just trying to put things up, pull them back out. 
Is that general summarized for what that's you're exactly trying to say? That's exactly right. And, and the cloud is, you know, it's essentially a warehouse of data servers. If you went in there, you could actually probably get lost in there because it's just a maze of servers, high energy consumption, and basically it's a condensed data center and under one roof. Well, You've been to the cloud? <laughs> I've been to, actually, if you look at my, uh, my Twitter profile, I actually have a picture of me in front of a mock data center at one of the major cloud computing companies. Actually, we were out... Uh, at Google Cloud, which is the, the pop socket that you see in my phone, which I'm not sure many middle-aged adult males have pop sockets on their phone, but it's a thing now. So if you're insecure about that in any way. Yeah, so I thought, I thought your daughter may have put that on your phone by mistake, and then you just realize that, hey, this is how I use this thing. You know, when you've got a nine-year-old at home, it is hard to be cool, but I am tell you what. That pop socket just puts you right there, huh? That's exactly right. So yeah, edge computing and also edge computing, the interchangeable term there was fog computing, which is, you know, a cloud. Yep. Well, what's a cloud at the edge? It's fog. It's like a 20 micron droplet, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly right. So edge computing, fog computing. And then the other thing, and you've heard Land Lake CEO Beth Ford talking quite a bit about this lately, is uh, rural broadband. And if we want to enable tech and rural communities, making sure that the rural broadband is out there for people to use. And anything from, you know, the healthcare that's required in these rural communities to keep our aging farming populations going, as well as the schools that are located rurally out there. So rural broadband has become a really hot topic amongst the U.S. government trying to figure out how to fund that, but also uh, Beth Ford, you know, getting in there and advocating for these rural communities to be able to have access to it. And that all enables this massive amount of farm data and the opportunities for the use of ag tech and apps. So going back to this farm plan thing, and I think this is where it really all comes around is, is everybody truly has that farm plan, but it's about communicating that farm plan. And, and a lot of times the paper form of communication is lost. And having those apps, having that rural broadband, having those capabilities allow everybody to be on that same page of what's going on in the acre. And in the end, that's really what we're striving to do with this app environment is how do we make decisions on an app-like speed so now we can start to manage that acre a lot more efficiently. Absolutely. You've been listening to the Deal with Yield podcast. For more episodes, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and thedealwithyield.com.